Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 105. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and on this week's episode, the Indians extended Carlos Carrasco, and we as a people do not love him nearly enough as much as we should. The Indians are probably going to trade Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer. It sounds like one of them is probably gone at the winter meetings. And you know, Saris over at The Athletic uh, talked about the next money ball. It's already happening right around us. The Indians are doing it. A lot of smart teams are doing it. We'll talk about that for a little bit. And of course, we'll answer your questions from Twitter and Facebook. Joining me for all that and more is none other than Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? I forgot about the whole trading Corey Kluber thing. <laughs> I just was reminded of it just did now. You, did you forget that was happening there? And then I got sad. <laughs> well, I just saw a tweet about it by, from the great Paul Hoynes. I was like, oh, God, no. And then you just you push it out of your brain because that's how you survive in this world these days, Matt, is by ignoring the things that make you sad. I'm great, though. I'm is it sad great, that I'm great. almost okay with it happening at this point? Well, yeah, no, it's it's called uh, being resigned to the fact of the matter. I mean, it's how, again, how we get through things. Like how <laughs> today I found out that, in fact, we will be open on uh, New Year's Eve instead of being closed, as I had expected for a long time. And I'm now resigned to the fact. I can complain, I guess. But to who? They won't care. So there you go. <laughs> so we'll start. We'll get to Corey Kluber in a minute. Yeah, um, fine. We'll start with Carlos Carrasco. The Indians, they got him some money. Um, I guess maybe not as much as he could probably get if he was a free agent, but um, they extended him through 2021 and 2022 and 2023 with a, a vesting option. So they're going to have him for quite a bit. That's pretty much all of his mid-30s. Um, by the time he does it, the free agent market, assuming the Indians don't trade him, he's probably not going to make a ton of money, and it might be just the end of his career. He said, actually, that he wants to finish his career in Cleveland, so... I think this is pretty neat. There aren't a lot of athletes that I, I think it's exaggerated how many there aren't, but there's, there isn't a ton that don't want to just say they want to play in Cleveland forever. Like Carlos has done. Uh, obviously Trevor Bauer doesn't, but that's just, it's nothing against Cleveland. He just doesn't want to stay anywhere. Um, I don't, I don't feel like Francisco Lindor will give any kind of discount. Not that he has to, but it's just kind of unique and special that Carlos Grass was such a good player. And he's also always sort of like the other player, the other Cy Young that we have um, the other big personality, but, Maybe it's time we, we love Carlos Carrasco just a little bit more for how, how funny he is and how much he loves Cleveland and that he's sticking around for a while. And, you know, I mean, you have an excellent point there. He is he really is the other. I mean, were it not for the fact that he's on the same team as Corey Kluber, he'd be heralded as basically the ace of the team, uh, unlucky as he is. Uh, what, over the last, uh, what, you had a 4.8 win season, 2.5. It was uh, injury shortened, 5.5 and 5.3 this year. Mar- remarkably consistent when he's actually able to play. And I think that's what's been... Again, overshadowed, I suppose, by uh, Kluber and then now the emergence of Bauer. But um, also what you said about him being the other. When he signed this contract, I was reminded of, of course, uh, Jose Ramirez, the other MVP that the Indians have, who actually in many metrics, I guess, is probably better than, well, can be considered better than Francisco Lindor, but he's a different kind of personality. A similar massive ego in a way but it doesn't kind of present itself as it does with francisco lindor but i mean i've all i've long been on the the train that carlos carrasco has my been my favorite pitcher for the indians for really since they've had this pitching staff together I th- i've i've always thought he's had such a, a, a fun arsenal um way more variety than say correct uh, uh kluber or even well maybe not bauer anymore bauer now has what four plus pitches it's absurd but uh, I don't know. Carrasco is a is a wonderful pitcher to watch. A wonderful pitcher to, well, no, I take that back. Sometimes he's terrible to watch when he's really, you know, when he's really starts slowing it down, and it gets really fidgety when he's on the mound there. 
That is my oh, least yeah. favorite part, I think, of watching Carlos Carrasco pitch. Um, he still does get into his head a little bit, but it's he's been of all the the pitchers they've had come through in the last several years, he's been the fun most fun one to watch. Just kind of evolve ever since. Um, I guess it was 2014, right when he got um, converted to the bullpen, and after having a terrible April, and then was just amazing, and then was kind of press ganged back into the rotation. Has been excellent ever since. He never yeah. quite hit that level that he was out of the bullpen, but I don't think he was ever going to. Uh, anyway, and even with that, he's still been some kind of excellent. I think what he was the tenth best pitcher by uh, in, in a couple of different metrics this year. Uh, last year, similar. I mean, over, just over the last several years, he's been one of the best pitchers of baseball, and you just forget about it because of either the continued excellence of Kluber or the the steady emergence of other guys. He's just been so there this entire time. It's except the, in 2016 when he wasn't there so conspicuously, <laughs> only for a little bit. The rest of the season was good. It's like since 2015, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, period. Like, Corey Kluber's been better, but he's also super good. Um, and I think I'm one of those ones that are guilty, and a lot of people probably are if they don't want to admit it, of, like, fawning over Corey Kluber and how good he has been, and then just sort of, like, jumping over Carrasco and, oh, look at how good Bauer is, and Clevenger and Bieber, and, like, because he's just always sort of the other guy. And, but yeah, like you said, he's super fun to watch, except when he slows it down, and it's been fun to watch just how far he's evolved. I don't know Trevor Bauer's ascension to what he is now wasn't perfect, but I don't think he ever dipped quite as low as Carlos Carrasco did. Well, Carrasco was, was like a head Carrasco, case and all this stuff or whatever. And Carrasco was the other in the, in the Cliff Lee deal too. That was supposed to be um, the star. The focus of that trade was, uh, I don't remember the guy's name now. Um, he had, <laughs> he had finger problems. I think it wasn't Adam Miller. Cause that was the other guy, but, Oh, what was his name? I am not looking it up right now, but I'm just talking. No, I'm just I'm, I'm just kind of staring off into space as I think with my with my broad it brain. Definitely, uh, I believe the name Nap. Yes, thank you. Oh, God, Jason Nap. Yeah, Jason Nap was the focus. I, I know, right? No, um, that <laughs> no, that was a. Uh, Got a lot of names on that trade, actually. <laughs> uh, Jason Donald and Lou Marston were also in that trade. There are a lot of they articles that I produced more than Jason Knapp ever did. No, that without a doubt. I mean, Lou Marston. I saw him hit a home run one time in person. That was pretty cool. Um, no, I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many articles that that trade has produced for me. Uh, writing whether he or my, the previous websites I've written for because, I mean, Lou, Lou Marson was great uh, in his own way. Jason Donald always told me he was going to be great and never was. Um, and, of course, Carlos Carrasco, who, again, he is, pro- of all of, of the four big ones they've had, I think my favorite, the one I've spent the most time on, probably like making a point to watch all their starts, actually would probably be Mike Clevenger, just because I last year in 2017, I tried to watch every single one of his starts and kind of pseudo-document it and kind of watch his growth. But Carrasco is definitely the one that, in my own eyes, was was always appointment viewing, simply because he was... I I just enjoyed the way he mixed pitches and seeing how he went from game to game and featured one pitch over another, over another. uh, Kind of, It's almost like he was some days experimenting uh, with, like, maybe my change-ups will be the pitch today, or I'm going to try and throw more sliders. It doesn't work out. Suddenly I'm terrible. I'm going to throw more curveball. Because his curveball has been very, you know, second-best curveball on the team. Now probably the third-best slider. Uh, Second-best change-up, probably. Uh, again, just a just a myriad of, of ability, and when when he's healthy, once again, he's 
a legitimate ace and one of the best pitchers in baseball. And now he's going to be in the Indians for quite a long time. And I, I just have to reiterate, it's, I think it's very funny that the two guys that they're going to be able to keep around for a long time are the others, you know, and just got the guys from out of nowhere. I mean, not, not to say that Corey Cooper wasn't out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere as well. But I guess you could lump uh, Bauer more into that. He was a first-round pick. So was Francisco Lindor. Both of them are more than likely to leave as soon as their arbitration years are up, whereas the other guys who are in the rotation or on that side of the infield are going to be sticking around for a long time. And the fact that that's not a problem, I think, is really, really neat. I'm just going to say, I don't know how Carrasco can get any better. We've probably seen his best. I mean, he'll be 32 in 2019. But he also does have that kind of mix of that, that that style of pitching, I suppose. He that could, I would hope, at least carry him into a, a, a you know a gentle a gentle um, autumn of his career, I suppose. <laughs> and I think we also have to be fair to Corey Kluber that he technically did sign a contract to be with the Indians. I think almost as long as Carrasco's is. Yeah, like no, he'd be twenty twenty one. I think yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, he's he also wanted to be in Cleveland forever, and he's also super good and. I don't no, think that's the problem. Fun... Yeah. He was too good. He too many accelerators in his contract. The, the bastard was too damn good at his job. <laughs> and now he's forced, down, his, forced his way out of, out of Cleveland. The fool. <laughs> and then my last thought on Carrasco was just that. You can't really ignore just, just how funny he is like, even when he's not pitching. It's the grabbing the microphone and just <laughs> calling games when he strapped a cooler to his head to mock Trevor Bauer. He dressed up as, a, I think it was after he got his... Was it after he became a citizen? He dressed up in all America stuff one time in the dugout or in the uh, the clubhouse. So I don't know. The guy's just fun. He's like he's like everything about every player I like, but I've always just sort of almost overlooked him from <laughs> to this point, which probably shouldn't happen anymore because he's super good and he's going to be here. Um, I would hate if they traded him towards the end. I, I would think he's cheap enough now that almost no matter what they could keep him unless some other team really wants him for how cheap he'll be in the last couple of years, but. He also has terrible facial hair, so, you know, he's got that going for him. Oh, how dare you? That is fantastic <laughs> facial hair. There is no other facial hair I want him to have. Oh, well, no, it's iconic at this point. It's it's like Anthony <laughs> Davis's eyebrow, but I mean, it doesn't make it good. It just makes it what it is, I guess. I'm curious to see where he ranks in complete games in the last several years. Yeah, so since 2015, he has the six most complete games in baseball, which is, again, not a thing you really think about. That's the thing you think about with Corey Kluber, who has – Twice that many since 2015. But, well, I mean, it's 14 compared to Carrasco's seven. But even with that, I mean, Carrasco has, is a, like, he's just demonstrated durability and absent some freak accidents, obviously. Nothing's ever happened to him that would, would make you, like, worry about his arm or whatever health, except for the fact that he had Tommy John surgery, which always makes you worry. But, hey, he's an Indian for a while now. And when uh when 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 Bieber starts his uh, his meteoric rise and uh Clevenger becomes full-time ace Carrasco will be the number 3 in the rotation just like he is now and uh, they'll win another world series so that's pretty <laughs> oh, good that poor guy <laughs> I do feel bad yeah. for him um but on the subject of Kluber and Bauer um now that we're in the winter meetings the first day was today or yesterday depending on when you listen well you're not listening to this now so <laughs> when yesterday was the first day of the winter meetings um in the past, I think there's been a little bit of action on day one, but not a whole lot this time around. The Royals did sign Billy Hamilton, so go them, I guess. Great signing, um, I think. I mean, just, just for that outfield. <laughs> I, I got, in all honesty, that's a huge, stupid outfield, and you need people who can go, really go and get it there. So, I mean, no one's better at going and 
getting. I mean, it, did nobody it. else want Billy Hamilton at all? No, like, why would you nobody sign else him? wanted him. I I totally understand why because no one else wants him. I mean, he's he's got a he's got a declining skill set in a in a game that has passed him by. It's well, still, I think he's going to be one where um, like midway through the season, somebody's going to trade him or trade for him just so they can use him in like pinch running situations in the playoffs. That's true. That's like all you need him for. You don't need to pay for him for a whole season. Just send the Royals a couple single A prospects, let them do what they want, and you got your speed guy for the playoffs. So yeah, exactly. That's yeah. my I theory, mean, which is smart think, for the uh, Royals to do. But uh, and that's how any rebuilding team should do it. I mean, that's why I was always yeah. impressed. They did by it with Mikumstakis last year too. Yeah, I mean, and that's why uh, the it's one of the ways that the Yankees are able to accelerate their rebuild too. They, they send all those um, relief pitchers. And trade them. Why are you complimenting uh, the Yankees on this podcast? Look, they're a well-run team. What are you all doing? Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. I I was always I I always thought that that was, I mean that should be a tactic for any team trying to rebuild is sign a bunch of of relief pitchers, see which ones work out, and then grab some contenders, good prospects. Because apparently the rule is you can only trade all your good prospects for mediocre relievers having a good year. The, uh, Listen, I know you're the big shot at beyond the box score over there, but you don't need to be praising the Yankees just because you're big time now. I mean, hey, listen here, all right. I, <laughs> some I, I, of us only write about one team. Hey, real <laughs> recognize real or whatever, all right. Also, I wrote about the Mets last week, so what do you want from me? <laughs> so Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, one of them's going to be traded. Um, it sounds like the latest rumors are really heavily leaning towards the Dodgers um, and their number one overall prospect, whose name I just forgot as I was saying it. Um, but basically I'll the gist of what the, up. the Indians want is, um, a top flight outfielder. It seems like, cause also Corey Ray from the Brewers, they seem to be wanting who isn't quite as good as the Dodgers guy. His name I can't remember. Um, but I'm assuming they'd also want somebody in the majors now, like Yasiel Puig from the Dodgers, Cody Bellinger, if they can squeeze him away or even, I don't know, to be a really good reliever, but, but it sounds like they're just trying to fix their outfield now and in the future with this one trade, which is if you're going to trade Corey Kluber, that's like what you have to do. <laughs> and I don't think this deal, like a lot of Indians fans that are freaking out about it, it's understandable. They just don't want to lose Corey Kluber because he's Corey Kluber. We talked about it last week. We get it, what's happening. We hate it, but it's happening. <laughs> but then the opinion from like people outside of the Indians is just that the Indians are being cheap just because they're trading away Corey Kluber. But then in the same breath, they also note that the Indians could easily just not take his option um, in twenty in in twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, so it's not even like that much of a financial. Like they could just not take his option if they want. They're trading him now because it's smart too, regardless of how much he's being paid. Because this is when you trade him, you don't trade players in the last year of their contract anymore. Nobody does that for half a season of a pitcher. So, so they're doing it now to get the most they can. If they can repair their entire outfield with one player, listen. As much as I love Corey Kluber, like you were just saying, they have Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger. They'll still have Trevor Bauer. They'll have Carlos Carrasco. We'll have our big sweaty son Cody Al or uh, Cody oh, Anderson, man, maybe. Wait. wait, just you wait. His <laughs> return Butko. will be glorious and dominant, or at least <laughs> fine. But I mean, they got plenty. They don't. I, I hate to say they don't need Kluber, but they can win without Kluber. I think, which is kind of sad to say, but it, it's true. They need an, an outfielder probably more than they do another ace pitcher. I mean, yeah. Well, if if the know. deal ended up being like the name was Alex Verdugo, by the way, that's the one. Uh, yeah, if it were him. Puig and like Jock Peterson, I'd take that deal. That'd oh yeah, be sad probably, but that's it. That's a again, that's two major league outfielders. Suddenly, the Indians would have two major league outfielders on their roster. Pretty good. <laughs> that's uh, two more than they have now. <laughs> two more than they have right now. <laughs> uh, or or like you said, maybe Co- or uh, again Verdugo, Puig and and Bellinger or something like you know. I mean, 
I don't think you get Puig and Bellinger. That's a little. I think I, I think you could get both of them. Yeah. If you get both you of them, to... that's I I interrupt them and say I'll take it and then hang up immediately and sign the paperwork. <laughs> that's not how any of that works, Matt. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they if the Dodgers are offering that, I take that immediately. Cody oh, Bellinger, Gasquel Puig, and that's literally an entire all, outfield. Right, yeah. Yeah. That well that you would have for I, honestly I, I I forgot how much. Um, so you'd have two more years of Puig. Um. Six? No, four more years at least of Bellinger. One, two. Yeah. Oh my God, please do that. <laughs> and then, and then six years at least of uh, Verdugo. You know, barring of course any extensions they may sign, things like that. So, you could talk yourself into another six years of Bellinger, and then eight, eight or nine years of Verdugo. Maybe not. He's twenty-two already. Uh, yeah, I'd do that. That's that's a whole lot of outfield for a long time. So, I'd still be sad. I mean. Well, I was just saying about it with uh, Carrasco, of course. We've seen the best of Corey Kluber, so it's uh, it's better to trade too early than too late. Um, not to may, not to go back to a previous subject, but the reason the uh, Yankees are who they are and the Red Sox always oh. were who they were was because <laughs> the Yankees ran out like a business and the Red oh, Sox shit. ran out like a country club. So <laughs> <laughs> one of them won 27 championships and then one of them had won well, three in the last what decade and a half, but prior to that, you know, none. So, it is, it, it, you know, that's that's a cold hard reality of the, of the game. And again, the Indians have the pitching. I think I wrote about it. Maybe that was the article I had spiked because of the damn extension. Uh, but <laughs> but the Indians' sole position of strength is the rotation. Like outside of the rotation, and then the two MVP candidates, they can't move because they're not morons. Uh, there's nowhere else they can deal. I mean, aside again from the, the catching position, which wasn't a position of super strength, but I mean, if they have they, they have some respect for Eric Haas and, you know, complain as we might about Roberto Perez, he's a good catcher in the sense that he, he's a good defensive catcher. He can't hit worth a damn, but whatever. Uh, I, I maintain that we don't have a good ability to value catching still in 2018 going into 2019. So the Indians, I think, know some, they see something somewhere that we don't. So the Indians need to sell, need to trade a pitcher because if they want to get better. And they need to get better because they won 91 games this past year. They were probably a little bit better than that, but they weren't 107 games or 102 or whatever it was that the Astros won. And the Astros just 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 yanked their pants down. I mean, it was <laughs> it was I every now and then I just I just idly reflect back to that I mean, uh, you know, other things in the World Series from 2016 too also pop in my head occasionally. But the just the the entire series was awful from beginning to end. It was just an, an utter brutalization, and that's where the and we'll talk about this in a few minutes. And that's where the Astros are compared to the Indians are in so many different ways. And to get to that level, you do need to you know swallow some pride and some sentimentality a little bit, I guess, and uh, trade away. Kluber or Bauer. I mean, we, we keep on saying Kluber, but Bauer yeah, is out there. Bauer's out now, there. He's younger. Another potential trade partner here. I mean, Paul Hoynes. I don't want to dunk on him too hard because. Oh, I do. Tar- <laughs> and it's, it's a relatively <laughs> no, easy target for an article like this. And <laughs> if I stuck my neck out there to do predictions, I, I guess I'd deserve to get dunked on too. But he said, um, so his idea for his ideal 25 starting man or uh, 25 man roster, he would trade Trevor Bauer to the Phillies. 
for right-handers, Zach Eflin, Adonis Medina, and left-handed Jojo Romero. So no outfielders. The Indians don't need outfielders, so whatever. Wait, so what would um, they get? Wait, wait, who would they get back? I'm sorry, what? Zach Eflin. The Zach Eflin, Adonis Medina, and Jojo Romero. Medina and Romero like are minors a year or two away from the big league. Top prospects. <laughs> so we've just gone, we've taken a current ace pitcher and then just got two maybe good pitchers for a couple years and that's it. That's the classic Peter Griffin line of, well, sure, we can take the boat, but the mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what that is. Or literally the <laughs> Oakland Raiders trade away Khalil Mack for a first-round pick that could turn into anything. Even Joey, you know, Nick Bosa. I mean, it could be anything. Like, it could even be the man, Khalil Mack. Right. But yeah, and then yeah. he also, another bring bit good reason is because um, he gives Plutko a chance. Because obviously Adam Plutko is... You gotta be for the loss of Trevor Bauer. That's uh... you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Have you read the? It's really good. I mean, no, I don't <laughs> read the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I barely read any baseball writing. All right, everything I do is off the top of my head. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's some good and bad. Oh god, it's so bad trade scenarios. Um, either way, Ken Rosendahl said he's pretty almost positive that Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer is going to be traded. I mean, it's also the fact that saying that is good for Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it, I don't know how much weight you put in that, but it does seem like there's a lot of smoke around it now. So, um, and I mean, if, if it's Verdugo, Bellinger, and Puig, just slam that button. But I don't think it's going to be quite that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but Verdugo, Puig, and, and Peterson, though, that's pretty good, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, Peterson's got, got some platoon issues, but. I mean, I the main part is just Puig and. Um, Verdugo, and then you just add whatever you can, I think. Because that's your current future outfield you got, and then anything else you can squeeze out of the Dodgers while also knowing yeah. you're going to take it. It's fine with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so our next thing here, uh, you you brought up this one, which I think we were going to talk about last week, but we didn't. I don't know. I remember reading this last week. Um, but it's at the – it was from Eno Saris at The Athletic. It's about the next money ball, as he calls it. Um, it's not really anymore in just pure scouting. It's like the next level of that, the evolution. Um, Kyle Body talks about it all the time on Twitter from Driveline Baseball. It's about giving players all this information now instead of just choosing players based off of it. Um, Body's exact way of saying it was basically that every player, every step of the way to the majors has a step plan of how to improve, what to do, and just basically getting all these numbers that front office types have now into the hands of players, which I think is kind of neat. No, it's very good. I mean, again, like you said, it, uh, the one of the worst problems I have with baseball as a whole is the well, it's a combination, I guess, of, the, of this thing that happened in the last decade or so, this commodification of the, but it's over commodification of play. The player's always been a commodity to the owners and the front offices, but to the at this, it, it broke down to to a point of these are a series of numbers on a spreadsheet. We need to figure out how, which ones add up to most wins and it doesn't matter who they are and things like that, which is a terrible way to run a any organization with any semblance of a human resource department, which I assume baseball that, uh, teams have. I don't actually know that. but Yeah, I never thought of it that way. Like they are just, their employees are just numbers. Can you imagine your employer doing that to you? I mean, I no, guess they, if they're well, paying I mean, $30 million, whatever, do... Admittedly, my employer does do that because, <laughs> <laughs> because I work in sales, so I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's a neat 
change because these players obviously want A, get the most out of their career, B, play longer, and what's I guess is part of A. But also they want to know how to get better. And if you're just – and by going that, that extra step, by showing the players you already have, these are the steps – these are the things you can improve upon, and this is how, these are ways we've found you can do it. Or these are weaknesses you have, and these are why these weaknesses are occurring. Or or these are your weaknesses. There's nothing you can do about this. But here's how we can maximize, you know, both you and, you know, both your value and obviously what we get out of you. Like one of those things I've read about, like the the fact that the Astros, for instance, have all those cameras, those, those, those insanely slow-mo cameras all around their park, right? They can see literally everything down to the most minute detail, like of every single player. So they can see when down to, you know, a, a second, basically, or a third of an inning or what have you, when their pitcher really starts to lose, truly lose effectiveness. And that will, yeah, that better informs them because whether their arm slot starts slipping or their, you know, one of their fingers is doing something that it, it, it's not supposed to if they were at full strength or their stride is off or what have you. So you can see injury before it happens. You can see you know, break down before it happens. And that helps obviously the team, but I think it obviously also helps the player because they can find finding a role. I think in baseball is vital for 90% of the players. Like not everyone's Mike Trout or Mookie Betts or whoever, you know, I got someone like Jock Peterson, who we were just talking about. He has platoon problems, but he also has a skill set that can carry him to great heights. Um, Mike Napoli, who just retired was, you know, he was, he had a certain skill set. Um, he was never going to be a star. He had a star, you know, personality, but he was never going to be a true superstar and that's fine. So being able to know, I guess, what you are, it's something we all seek out in our everyday life anyway, you know, uh, man search for meaning and all that. And this isn't giving baseball players true direction in their spiritual life, but at least in their physical life, they can know who and what they are, at least in the eyes of a team it is nice, I suppose. Yeah, it is nice. And it, it all comes back to help the players, I think, in one way or another. Uh, well, I mean, it all comes back to helping the team, obviously. Well, yeah, but, but, at least, but at least in putting the, the, the power in the hands of the player, right, uh, so to speak, you're helping them get the most out of themselves, which, again, helps the team. But it, it, it at least makes it so the player maybe doesn't feel so used, which right. they're all being used. We're all being used by some employer or other, but it's as long as you're – and this is as in any job, as long as your employer gives you the tools to make yourself better or to succeed as much as you can, it's up to you to take advantage of that. Obviously. Right. I mean, you know, these guys can just not do it obviously. And then they will be, they will be whoever, or they can, and they can become, I don't know. Who's a good example. No, I, I, again, I could, like a, just some platoon guy or a short to mid relief guy. Chris Davinsky, I think is a good example of this. He, not a good starter. And the Astros knew that, and they never treated him like them. They treated him like what he's been his entire career. And that's going to earn him a lot of money, eventually. And it's brought the Astros a lot of success in a World Series championship. So, Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. a couple things that are half, maybe like a little under half devil's advocate, a little over half real thoughts. So I guess My the one, <laughs> like the one I guess is a real concern is about like, I've heard people talking about this and saying one reason that players are getting paid less is because teams find a better way to invest their money, which is in all these analytics and everything, which is great. But I don't think that should be coming out of what players are making because the 
the analytics analytics aren't replacing what the players do they're replacing how right. the gms operate and find things so i would i would hope that's coming out of like gms are getting paid a little less and analytic departments are growing but i don't think that's how it's working um but if that's anybody's justification that doesn't quite work i mean the players should still be getting the bulk of the money i think it's important to and as we start getting into more analytics and everything i think it's also important for mlb to show like the players don't just look at these numbers and then they level up and they know all this stuff they still have to work extremely hard right put all this stuff into practice and it's still not just spreadsheets and computer nerd things no matter how much it is there's still a lot of work they have to do that they're earning their money for which i think is important well Uh, i think part of it too is the those the 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 places where money is being lost by players is again not so much in the in the top end it is those bottom end kind of marginal guys someone like i don't know i'm trying to think of a good play uh the teams are more and more finding a that there's no real value in carrying a you know a, 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 i i don't want to bring him up but michael martinez uh, there's no value in having a player like that around, right? Right. Like, he can do a lot of things poorly, and yet he had a 12-year career or something like that because, whatever, he fit into a bunch of niches and kind of stereotypes of what uh, that type of player is. Uh, those players are, you know, I mean, there's there's no point in paying someone like that to $5 million when it said you can just bring up, again, Eric Gonzalez, you know, exactly, in the Indians' case, Eric Gonzalez, to to do it for one-tenth that amount. So I think that's where the real salaries are being lost is there and also the fact that, I mean, there's there's also no point in keeping around a a supremely flawed player who can do one thing very well, as we saw with someone like Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton's skill set as a whole isn't, I don't think, conducive to modern baseball. But um, just as an example, someone who is was good for the team, uh, was, you know, skilled but flawed, and the team got the most out of him. And after, after that, what's the point keeping him around when the net that he can bring to the team um, in terms of whatever number you want to throw out there, um, but at the end of the day, just w- wins on the board, can be eaten up in other ways by other players who can do something that's more sustainable that isn't fully leg-based, I guess. You, like, does that make sense? Like, like, I, at least that's how I see it. The the money the the money going to players isn't coming from the top end or even the middle of the road guys. It's those marginal guys, the guys who eke out eight or ten year careers uh, by just being bench guys and you know getting a you know, four million dollar here, four million dollar here deal here. You know people like that who just I don't know. I I, I think in time there is going to be a uh, a sudden, it's it's not some, something that we're going to see, but in ten years, we're just not going to see players like I don't know the the, the do everything kind of players like that. I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong. Like the Brock Holtz of the world, maybe they do bring something to the table that 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 a you know a, a very analytically focused team sees that, that that is more than just being all right for a platoon or a fill in sort of a position. Well, I think because, they'll exist, but they'll be like younger players. Like these aren't going to be older, yeah, better guys anymore. It's right. Just yes, I, I, I guess that's what. Yeah, I mean, you, you just won't. Yeah, they, they they won't get out of arbitration, basically. You know, right. or they'll have to do something, you know, majorly different to kind of change themselves to to get there. And I'm like, right. I'm just looking at the uh, just as an example, the Astros, um, twenty five man. 
trying to see if I see any names in here. I'm just like, this is I mean, like a player on their team who just doesn't seem to fit really, who isn't just like a really young guy. Like, I'd be surprised if there the was. Team. There's like no wasted space on the roster or the Astros whatsoever. No, really. I, I, that's the thing. Like, um, Joe, Josh Reddick, Brian McCann, Yuli Gurriel are the three oldest position along with Evan Gaddis and then Martin Maldonado. But again, the Maldonado thing is interesting because he's a terrible hitter. But this is why I go back to I think there's something we don't know just as fans, even with all the catching statistics we have, that value comes from. Uh, you know, catchers in ways that we can't really read. You know, Marwin Gonzalez is going to be a free agent. And he's good for the team. They're not going to resign him. And I don't blame them at all. He's 29 years old. He's the best he's going to be. And that's all there is to it. You know, he was a, what, a 103 OPS plus this year as a left fielder. Yeah. You, you, you can do better than that for less. You know, I'm sure they have someone in their – yeah, they probably have someone in their – in the, what do you call it, in their farm system that can do exactly that. For way less. Yeah, and then not to reiterate the same uh, thing we always bring up with this, but I mean, you got to pay those players eventually when they're younger. You can't keep looking forward to free agency. Like, pay them when they are good. Like, find a way, like, up the price of arbitration, have the audacity yeah. to treat minor league players as people, something like that. Somewhere between, you got to pay yeah. the younger players a little bit. Right, no, exactly. I mean, yeah. hell, I mean, you know, it's it's a little disgusting at times to talk about this that when, when you know, the, the average American does not make, you know, and it will never make a million dollars in their lifetime sometimes. But like if the minor, if the minimum for a, these guys deserve fair, fair play for fair pay, you know? Yeah, well, fair, when everybody pay, brings whatever, that blah, up, blah, like, blah. these players make so much more than me, how am I supposed to feel bad for them? It's because, like, whatever they're not making is just going into the pockets of somebody who makes even more money than them. That's... Yeah, and also, and also, they're way better at what they do than I'll ever be at anything. So I mean, uh, just or at least it's in a market. But like you said, yeah, I'd rather they make the money than right. I don't know wh- whoever the hell owns the Astro at this point. Random, <laughs> random rich guy. You know, uh, I don't even. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. my other minor thing, um, which not to get too old man yelled at clouds here, because I love analytics. I love using them. I love the way baseball is going. But part of me misses the fact that we'll never have like another. I don't know how to describe what I'm thinking of. Just like old school guy just comes up and just knows things. And like, I just want to see two players who just like playing off experience and they're just old and know what's going on and playing and not based on just all the analytics analytics they have. Like, I think it takes away a tiny bit of personality, maybe that everybody has the same numbers. And I don't know. This doesn't make sense. Um, it did in my head. I, well, no, I mean, I kind of see, what, I, it's just, there's, the the one positive to it all that that we can always remember is, well, there's one goal at the end of base, of, of any, every baseball game is to score more runs. There's more than one way to do it, even even down to swings. Like one one thing you know you always notice if you watch like uh, Japanese baseball is they all have almost the same exact swing because they all learn in the same exact way, which is very interesting. Like it's just it's very differently taught there, I guess, just the way every the the way they learn the game, whereas. It's, I don't know, it's... Um, don't you feel like we're narrowing that down here now, though? Like, we're slowly getting down to, like, the one correct way to play base. That's my well, biggest fear, is that we get I, to the one right way to do everything. I think we were going there, but there come, there turns a point where there isn't one, any one way of doing things. Like, just because you see how so many different guys succeed in different ways, just across the board, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to... Like, yes... We, they all, at the end of the day, want to have a slight uppercut to their swing to put more loft in the ball to get it over the fence. But whether it's how they stand in the box or how they 
you know, how they get the bat to the ball. You know what I mean? Like all these guys have, do have different physiologies. They aren't all carbon printed. So it, their bodies have to do different things to get to these different places. You know, like obviously, you know, like something like Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa, polar opposites in terms of person. Uh, but I mean, at, at their best, they're equal, basically equal offensive powers, you know? So it's, so are we going to get to the uh, point where maybe, everybody looks the same, though? Like, they're all doing these minute things to be different, but they're all trying to hit with the same launch angle and exit velocity and have the same kind of swing. But, and and I, I think that is my – at the end of the day, that might be my, my worry, too. I mean, uh, kind of like what you were saying about the analytics and, and wanting a, a guy to get by on, on guile and whatnot. I mean – That's a good word for you'll it. Always have, you'll always have someone who comes up that's like – I don't know, like, like someone who's just so preternaturally gifted at just hitting the ball – that like they don't need to study these things and they're just like, I don't know. I don't think someone like Mike Trout really is that focused on analytics because he's just the most gifted player we may have ever seen ever. Or someone like Barry Bonds. I don't think he was actually putting work into making sure there's a lot. I mean, and maybe he was too. I mean, you, you go all the way back to read, you know, the science of hitting and, and Ted Williams was doing that, you know, 70 years ago or whatever. He was talking about putting an, a slight launch angle into the ball back then. But that's that's just smart, smart baseball, basically. So I don't think I, I don't I, I, things like that aren't really new. So I don't know. I mean, may, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe we're doing we're going too far, and we're. Well, I don't think we're going to too far. Play. Not quite, but I think. But eventually, but you can start. You can start extrapolating, and I don't know. I'm, yeah. I was having this conversation with a friend this weekend. Uh, we were watching. Oh, basketball, maybe. Um, Do you forget what sport we watched, you were watching? I don't know. I was at a right bar. Now. Shut up. <laughs> there was like three TVs on, and I was talking what about doing one of them. What were they doing with the ball, Merritt? Was it a oh, kick? No. Like a you know what? No. I was watching UFC. That's what it was. <laughs> it's basically basketball. I mean. Uh, shut up. There was a basketball <laughs> game on the other screen. Um, but, like, it's just we, – we're reaching a point where just in general, and this is not good or bad. It just is a fact that where everything is ch- – in our chase towards efficiency – uh, because we want to score the most points with as little effort as possible, runs, what have you. We are going to get, uh, the, the issue with efficiency is half the time it's the most boring way to play the game. Uh, and I, I wonder at, at what point, I, I wonder at one point if and if ever there will be a backlash to that. Not even from fans or anything like that, but like, and hitting a home run rules, obviously. But I wonder if there'd ever be a backlash from players even from that. You know what I mean? Like maybe they don't want to shoot three pointers or do only layups because mid range jumpers are cool. Oh um, yeah, I it that way. I'm already at the point where know. home runs are kinda I mean it's more fun to see a ball like barely get over a second baseman's head and players spinning around yeah, the bases. You know, like, yeah, so much more yeah. baseball comes into play than with a home yeah. run. Um I don't, I don't even think, mean, I think like that, that... transcending Mike Trouts and Barry Bonds is I just want a big goofy Mike Pence in there once or Mike Pence. Hunter Pence in there once in a while. Who just you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. still works. Evan Gaddis is a total delight, you yeah, know, and, and you these go. are the players I think who will never go away because they're, they're, you know, they, like I said, no, no two people are the same. So no two people are going to take the same pathway to get to a place. You can obviously, like I said, j- j- just with the level of academies and things that they have down in places outside of America, where lots of people come and learn the same way of doing things from uh, one instructor, which is like what I was talking about with Japan or, I don't know, I guess maybe down in like uh, the Dominican or something like that, where guys come out and they seem like they, they many of them stand the plate very similarly. I always thought that was kind of cool how, uh, what's his name on the White Sox now? Um, Mini Miggy, what's his name? 
Jose Abreu. I have a say, oh, Garcia. Oh yeah, he had, he, a free he, agent, he had the same. He had, he had the same stance and everything in the in the in the box as uh, Miguel Cabrera. And I just thought that was all very neat. Like they just kind of I don't know whether that's copying or, or learn learning from a, an academy or what have you. But um, I don't know. I, I guess my whole point is that the fact the game is still played by humans and humans are all incredibly different. I think will at least lend for, to, for some variety in the game. Yeah. There will come a point, of course, where. We just start cloning people, and then we got robots <laughs> versus clones, and then it's uh, begun the Clone Wars have, and everybody with baseball. There you have it, fighting each other. And I guess, and I guess, having said all that, I mean, I, I have noticed noticed that a lot in like younger um, guys who came through America's systems too. Cody Bellinger's style seems very similar to other players I've seen. Yeah, maybe that's not terrible. Maybe it's, it's just better to watch better baseball players. That's why I don't think it's ruining the game or anything like that, but. I think it's ruining the game. <laughs> Baseball is what I'm ruined. saying. That's it. Baseball is canceled for the winter. Winter season over. <laughs> oh no! What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> so every Monday, we ask everybody on Facebook and Twitter for your questions, things we can answer. I'm in the off season. Ask us anything. Um, good little answer. Oh, anything. Butt is sore. Help us fill some time. Ask us how sore your butt is. We'll tell you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so at slang eug. It's the best way I can think to pronounce it. Thanks for the question. He asked, um, could the loss of Corey Kluber to stabilize the rotation in the way the loss of Brian Shaw for the bullpen in the disarray? Did we answer this one last week? It seems familiar, but no, no I don't think so. I think it's something similar last it. week, but yeah. But no, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think Brian Shaw leaving through everything in disarray, even if it did, I think bullpens are more, I don't think either of them are really that dependent on one person setting things up, but maybe bullpens are a little closer just because the multiple ones come in for a game, but I don't think Corey Kluber, just the mere act of him leaving, will throw the rest of the staff in the disarray, unless he really is like a really, really good leader that everybody follows. But I think most of these pitches are good independently. I'm sure Corey Kluber helps, but I don't think he's keeping everything together quite like that. Uh, in uh, 2018, Brian Shaw had a 593 ERA. <laughs> uh, he allowed 11.5 hits per nine, which will happen. Uh, his home run rate leapt massively, walked a ton of people, and he was generally terrible. He actually was worth negative one point one wins above replacement. So, <laughs> so he was great. He was worth one point one wins below put WBR, my favorite statistic. Which is a <laughs> long way of saying bullpens are stupid and don't ever trust them. Uh yeah. the fact that the Indians had someone like Andrew Miller and Cody Allen and Brian Trump for that matter be, be so consistently great for so long. Was a fluke and something they can never be counted on ever. I mean, even look at the bullpen of the Astros; it was pretty good, but wasn't as good as it was the year before. So no, and plus I don't know. It, it's hard to think that losing because one one starter has no impact on the other starters, right? Well, I mean, not like in a game by game basis, but just thinking of an everyday workplace kind of thing. Like if you have one guy who's really good at everything, and maybe he's he's helping other pitchers out, they're following his example, that kind of thing, but. Not that I, huge I of an exam. Not enough to throw everything yeah. out, of, out of, destabilize it, as he said. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. I think it'll be fine. I, I think it, it'll. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Something, something. Locker room. Something, something, something. <laughs> I mean, if but, anything on the field, it'd be Jan Gomes trading him would have a bigger impact, right? Because you're losing. Yeah, him. right. You're losing a catcher. You're losing a guy who several of these pitchers kind of have grown up, you know, throwing to. They all, but but even with that, it's not like even like it's going to be a big breaking in period because they. With um, what's his name, Perez? Because they all threw to him for all of 2016 as well, and you know Bauer for one throws to him every game anyway. So 
I don't know. I, it won't be cool. I think that's the fact of the matter. Well, <laughs> the, the Indians will, will be in some ways worse off because they won't have a two-time Young winner. But at the same time, he's gonna be thirty-three. So I mean, yeah, yeah. Again, well, what was the title of last week's episode? Yeah, that. You know, I get <laughs> it. I just hate it. You know, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um. So our next one at Futorius, Futorius. He wants to know: Do the national broadcasters realize their damage in the long-term health of the game by fixating on four to six teams? Should MLB interpose some coverage diversity teams terms when the networks re-up? Um, I think it's it's a hard to swallow pill that focusing on the most popular four to six teams is probably a better idea than showing the Marlins more often. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get it being an Indians fan, you want them to show them more, but I mean, I don't think you can argue with MLB wanting to show the Yankees and Red Sox. Wasn't like the the biggest playoff series in a long time for them, just because it was those two teams and over the Yankees yeah. and Ast- or Indians and Astros. So, I mean, it's really annoying as a fan of one of the smaller teams, and maybe as a team in one of the or fan in any of the city that isn't like the big six or whatever it is. Um, I don't think it's too terrible, especially with how much teams are like forming into just a, a handful of super teams every season. Now they're just going to focus on those teams now. Like they're not going to show the White Sox or Royals or Tigers every every week. There's no reason to. They're going to focus on the teams who are really good and who are really popular to to keep driving popularity to them, to get more ads, and that's what they do. I mean, you know, there's there's the point that you want to say, like, these, uh, there, there's massive diversity of talent just across the, just across baseball right now, but uh, the fact of the matter is a lot of this a lot of this young talent is kind of on shitty teams. Yeah. Like Angels. <laughs> all right, so yeah, you know, like the Angels have the best player in baseball and I don't want to watch the Angels that much. I'll tune in once every two to three innings. And I really I, try I, I, just to watch Mike Trout. I really try it. It's so bad. <laughs> it's painful. I, just, I mean, outside of him and Anderson Simmons, there's just trash, man. I don't <laughs> enjoy watching I don't know. I, I saw enough of Justin Upton when he was in the Tigers. I just, I don't, I don't find him aesthetically pleasing. As a, actually, never mind. I take that back. I think he's a neat home run swing. Um, but like, it's, and it's like you said too. Like, people talk about how like the NBA um, does a great job of showcasing like a lot of non-large market teams. But I mean, the Lakers are going to be on TV more than ever this year uh lebron james is there obviously then they're going to show the, the uh, warriors a ton um you're i think that the kings are on tv like twice i think that you know you never see the pelicans very much or you and they're going to show like the raptors a lot they're never going to show the, the the knicks get some weird play but they, they they get some like like a almost a half-hearted like salute basically so i th- i think the cameras are always going to follow the talent to a degree, I do think I kind of agree with the uh, um, question asker uh, focusing on teams like the Red Sox and Yankees too much. I think it is honestly. I think it is a little bit not good for the game because again, there is talent elsewhere. I do think the Athletics deserve more attention for so many different reasons. Um, there's three eminently watchable teams in the NL East. Um, probably three good ones in the Central. In the NL, what once the Cardinals sign a uh, uh, Bryce Harper, that'd be very neat. <laughs> the Cardinals are going to sign Bryce Harper. Is that an official Listen, declaration it, from Barrett Rolfing? Yeah, it keeps on happening. That will be the show to me. So I just assume it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, there, and then 
I don't know. There's some teams that I do I do agree. I think they deserve more attention. Rockies deserve more attention because that's a yeah, fun team fun. to watch. They're good. They have cool uniforms and so and everything's weird there. Um, and then outside of that, <laughs> what you know, do you I mean, mean cool uh, uniforms and everything's weird. Yeah, damn dog, come on. What up? Like no one wants to watch the Padres or the Giants or the Diamondbacks or the Rangers. God, the Rangers are bad. Or the Angels or the Mariners. So that I mean, half the team, half the team. I mean, that is a lot out. of teams you just named that nobody wants to watch, and, and you're and, completely right. And, is the problem. And, there's most of a division with this AL Central. No one wants to watch those teams. <laughs> Four of them are rebuilding. Right. If it weren't for the fact that two of them were super bad, that we would have had 300 lost teams in one division, which I don't think has ever been done. I could be, I don't know, but I, I, I think it's damaging in, in small ways over time. And I think the, the powers that be could, could do well to focus on teams like the Rays or even the Indians more. The question is, how do you do that? No one really cares about. What's going on outside? <laughs> the Rays are such a uh, weird in between because they're new and unique, but they're bullpenning, which is so unesthetically pleasing. Is that a word? Unesthetically? I don't uh, know. Aesthetically not pleasing? I don't know. Unappealing. <laughs> unappealing. Aesthetically unappealing. Unappealing. There you go. There you go. But well, and and, and then the other question is too, like how how do you highlight them by playing them on Saturday afternoon? I don't know. Where nobody I mean, will the watch, and then they'll be like, nope, not like, doing that again. Like, I guess Sunday night baseball, yeah, that's fine. Um, Saturday afternoon baseball. But, like, during the week, they've just, they don't. There's not much it's it's hard to do. Baseball is just such a regional game. It's it, it's a game that's, I don't know, it's such a weird thing to say, but it's just a hard game to kind of. That's Dude. kind of a cool thing, I think, too. Like, with baseball, you're in your own little silo more than any other sport. Like, football, everybody's all up right. in their stuff because they have a week to look at everything. But, like, yeah. nobody can keep up with every team all year long. So you pretty much always know more about your team and feel closer to your team, which I always – that's one of the things I've always liked about baseball since I was little. Like, you had the minor yeah. leagues, you had the major league teams, all these things, like, you knew about and you could master more than people who didn't follow your team. Right. I mean, and, and that's what, I mean, and, you know, for, for baseball, you know, wieners like us, we're, we, we get excited when something weird and new happens out with the Mariners or something, and we actually get to see it because we're up for up at fucking 1 a.m. for some dumbass reason. <laughs> Damn, I love living in the, in the central time zone. I watch so much weird, weird late baseball. Oh, man. I remember when I was unemployed, I watched so many Angels games. That <laughs> yeah, was great. But never Padres games. No, no, I don't think no I ever way. watched a Padres game, a no home Padres game on purpose. I don't think those are, those are games that people don't. I don't think they actually happen. I might know they have Francisco Mejia a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah, I probably, I'll probably still forget. So, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, again, I think I think over time it might be damaging, but it's it's hard to figure out how you do it otherwise. Right. Talk about them on not you know while the game isn't happening. I don't know. If you want to get talked about, win a bunch of games, make the playoffs, win a World Series, like the. The, the Astros are a, a national brand right now for one reason. They're cool uniforms. <laughs> Clearly, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our last question this week is going to be from at Zachary Zabo. He wants to know, what's the best return hopes for Kluber or Bauer? Can Kittness be coupled with one of them to dump a salary? If the Indians dump all the salary, is there a free agent they should target? Um, so the, main pre- part, nah, the main thing I want to... A lot of cool. I know. Nine questions. I mainly asked this for one main thing about coupling Jason Kipnis because I don't, I don't know a return for Kluber about. I think we talked about it. Get that return from the Dodgers. There you go. That's my answer to that. But as far as like coupling Kipnis with one of them, I don't want to do that at all. All you're doing is that point is just dumping salary and reducing what you get back for a two-time Cy Young winner. Forget that. Just get whatever you can for Kluber. If you're stuck with Kipnis's contract, deal with it. I mean, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'd rather I'm, I'm I'm not too terribly set on getting rid of Kipnis anyway. Just keep them and use them. Um, but yeah, hey, I mean, if they do get rid of Kipnis one I... way or another, don't tie it to Kluber and reduce what you get back for him. That's just a miserable thing to do. No, that's exactly you, you want you want to maximize the return for that one thing. I mean, if again, if you just want to get rid of Jason Kipnis, you probably just cut his ass. I mean, I don't want them to do that. But I mean, then you still have to pay him. He... Because like the point is yeah, not to pay him. Yeah. Right, and I don't know. I mean, I don't. The crux of this argument is obviously getting Yandy Diaz on the field. <laughs> that's uh, all that matters, really. That's that's what we're doing here. Yandy Diaz on the field. I don't care what. What else are happens. we doing here? Come on. Like, <laughs> so obviously, I, I mean, if they get that big return for for Brantley, that or not, not Brantley, Jesus, for uh, Kluber, then there's yeah, there's no real space for Kipnis to continue his adventures in the outfield. And then of course, I want Jose Ramirez at second. Although if he continues to hit. Like he did at second, not maybe not. I don't want that anymore. But yeah. no, I don't know. I mean, the dumping the dumping of salary is stupid because you you. I was saying this before about how players who are very bad are going to lose their place in baseball over time. And I'm not saying Corey or that Jason Kipnis is bad. Um, I mean, it's it's the last year of his career. What are you going to do? Dump him for how much? How much in salary relief? What is it, like twelve million dollars or something? Yeah, he's got a couple more years on the contract, doesn't he? No, he's got one. He's signed. Oh, there, it, there's a, <laughs> or just yeah. There's, cut a, there's him. A, I mean, yeah. I think I mean, the it's, Indians it's, are forward thinking enough where if they, he doesn't have a spot, they wouldn't waste a roster spot yeah. on him because we have to pay him. We've already seen that with like Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne. If there's no spot, they'll just get rid of him. They can't get rid of his contract. Well, it's uh, so it's fourteen point six million in twenty nineteen, and then there's uh, sixteen and a half in twenty twenty. Oh, so you lied or to two me. And a half. You said it was just this year. Well, it's oh, so you or lied. It's a two and a half million dollars, <laughs> or it's a two and a half million dollar buyout. <laughs> okay. Will you That's... listen with your ears, not your butt. So if you cut a player, how does that work? Do you just pay the buyout in the last one if there's an option? Or do you... Yeah, you just give them two, $2.5 million. Please leave. Here's you know $2.5 I mean? million. If they, cut like this year, <laughs> if they cut them this year, what are they on the hook for? Um, Probably the $2.5 million buyout. Think? Yeah. I think so. Oh. That would be, be a ridiculous thing for the other way around. Uh, that'd be a very ignominious end to his to his Indians career <laughs> would, too. Jeez, yeah. And how much money he would have made back in 1900? Wow, man, he'd be making 498 million thousand dollars this year. What are you? What? Pretty good. He's <laughs> on <you talking laughs> oh, a random you, you conversion change... website right now. No, it's baseball reference. You can convert it to oh, two thousand, uh, <laughs> your two thousand dollars and stuff. It's fun. It's well, fun with posting, numbers. Yeah. Why have you not made like several yeah. posts out of that by now? We got space to fill. Shit, here, you're man. right. Thanks, dude. Uh, Space to fill no, on no, Let's Go Tribe on no other websites. No, no, no copyrighted no, idea no. My, for Let's Go Tribe. My, my garbage on Let's Go Tribe, my great <laughs> analysis on other websites. I have a system, all right? <laughs> I hope that answered uh, the uh, writer's question. I mean, I, believe I don't think they'll trade Bauer. Uh, he's just too good right now. And maybe trade him next year. I don't know. See, see where Clevenger goes. See what happens with uh, Bieber. See if he really does meet or exceed those zips projections yeah i mean if bieber uh, and clevenger are both outstanding then you've got another chance to fix another position next year with still a deep round of pitchers and tristan mckenzie if he shows that like the year after next year he can be a big pitcher then holy cow there's nothing i love more than putting all my eggs in a prospect pitcher's basket (laughs) right fantastic and it's never gone wrong for the indians jason Knapp. (laughs) and all that matters is you got cody anderson coming up that's that's the important you know what let's all not forget about one little thing here (laughs) 
It's Cody Anderson's great return. <laughs> I think this is going to be gonna the be third good. Year, week in a row we're going to end on talking about uh, Cody Anderson, and I'm okay with that. You know what? It's good to have traditions. It is. Third time around, it's a tradition, so perfect. <laughs> there we go. Merritt, I'll talk to you next week. And Cody Anderson, and whoever. <laughs> <laughs>